0: Alright Boz, we got a good one today. Always, Pat. I was gonna say that's I shouldn't even say that because they're all yeah. they're all good ones. But as we always say, we perused the YouTube comments and there was one that caught your eye, and it went in a couple different directions, but it encapsulated um questions about judging movements or judging workouts range Mm -hmm. of motion um, movement standards or maybe you know encapsulated in there and and we thought it might make sense to loop in you know competition training versus or competition versus training we got recreational fitness a lot of a lot of what have yous, you know, a lot of spider webs there and, and a lot of different <laughs> a lot directions. Of, a lot of ins and outs in old Duder's brain. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> a lot of
1: strands. <laughs> and,
0: uh, <laughs> you're, not, you're not privy to the new stuff. And, <laughs> and I was like, man, I couldn't have this conversation with somebody better. I mean, you are synonymous with judging. I mean, that is, yeah, yeah. you know, judging and no rap you know, and all that stuff. So, to to talk about judging and range of motion and enforcing movement standards, the world is your oyster right there. So, Mm. before we clicked on the camera, we kind of scratched down some bullet points of where we wanted to go. So, let's let's start with, you know, in your mind, range of motion, right? And and full Mm. range of motion. That's something that CrossFitters, and rightfully so, are really really passionate about and and potentially to a point that is um don't know what the right word is that i'm looking for but they're quite they're quite uh enthusiastic about it they couldn't it. be and,
1: dogmatic could, hey, could, no 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 if, uh, and,
0: and if if full range of motion is met that's fantastic and if full range of no motion is not met then um don't know why you just did that the movement has no value and so when yep. you you're dead to me and not only that but you're a bad person Right, you know and and there 's a difference between when we started talking about this, you said you know what there's just a ton of value in maintaining full range of motion that uh, is potentially lost on some individual, so when you said that tons yeah. of tons of merit in maintaining full range of motion, what popped into your head?
1: Well, a lot of different thoughts let me let 's start at the beginning, so this particular YouTube comment it's kind of coming back to me now. I think this individual was talking about uh, an activity that they thought they would want to be involved with and could be fun to help get engaged with the local community, things like that was to start judging at competitions, which I think is great. That's a a great way to spend your time. Um, I think some of the danger of getting into that world without a really nuanced uh, view of where you want to be elsewhere is when you bring back that skill set and try to square peg in a round hole that skill set into coaching. I think that's Ah, where we start to see some disconnect. So, if we go back to the the beginning. Yeah. But if we go back to the beginning and we think about, okay, standardizing movement, why did it start to kind of find its way into the culture? If you go back and read some of the earliest CrossFit Journal articles, the first time that that starts to come in, number one has to do with the uh, articles on squatting and establishing the range of motion there. And second was with the GHD sit-ups, reaching back and touching mm. the floor and then coming forward and touching the, uh, the pegs was introduced so that you would have a full range of motion on the sit-up. Not because you were going to be doing it against other people, but because training full range of motion is so important to your development that it's worth having something that kind of objectively ensures that you get there. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's what people forget sometimes. We have these uh, kind of adopted standards that permeate the culture and they become a shorthand for something much deeper that's almost forgotten about. And that forgotten about element is that training your joints through a full range of motion ensures that they remain healthy and strong throughout that range of motion. They, they maintain the flexibility to get there. Um, you know, and, th- and that sort of thing, especially as you get older in life, if you're not Actively trying to maintain and preserve that, if not improve it, it's going to disappear on you. And so there's a huge benefit to making sure that you are consistent with those things. That has nothing to do with a comparative metric to somebody else. And it's it's really critical that coaches don't lose sight of that and don't accept this shorthand that you see when people are competing as the only reason to pursue it. It's much yes. more developmentally important than it is a comparative metric. So, that's where we'll start. How's that for, a, for I like, an entry point?
0: I like that a lot. And what pops into my head uh, about that is some, some personal experience and some observations that I've, I've had over the years, which is, first of all, 100%, you know, training for a long, healthy life, develop a full range of motion. Now, competition comes in and this is where I think uh, something less than ideal can get into your brain as to how you should train in the gym on a regular basis. So, so, yeah. maybe for the range of motion on a squat or a thruster in, in a competition, they have to establish some sort of metric. So, as long as the crease of the hip is below the knee, you're good to go at the bottom, period, end of story. Yep. And I remember watching a games athlete that crossed my path who shall remain nameless, wonderful person, <laughs> and, and can't blame for this. They just think the standards get in your head, right? You train to the standard. And I remember mm. them watching them do some heavy front squats. And, uh, and they were a relatively flexible individual. And I remember asking yeah. them, like, I think you've got a whole bunch more range of motion. Their back looks great; everything looks fantastic. Like, but you are literally stopping just about a parallel or an inch below parallel. Like, why aren't you going as low as you can to develop all of them? They were like, "Well, I don't need to. I don't. I don't need to do that in competition. I'm not going to be judged on that." And you know, they're a far fitter athlete than I am. But I, I saw the long term of. Just training for long-term health and fitness as being a little bit different than that. And in my mind, also from a competition setting, I was like, well, why wouldn't you want to develop the full range of motion? Because what happens if maybe in competition, it's a one rep max full clean, squat clean, and and that's the day that you got to go butt to the ground to Mm -hmm. catch that thing. But you haven't worked that last two, three, four, five inches of, of depth because, quote-unquote, it's not needed for a, a judging range of motioned uh, competition squat that I kind of felt like that was that was missing the mark and maybe just one of several yeah. areas where what you see and what will, quote-unquote, be demanded of you in competition might be different than what's demanded of you in real life and it can be an interesting thing just for coaches, judges, athletes, trainers to have your eyes open as to... What are you truly trying to prepare your body for?
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and to piggyback on that, I think it's important to distinguish what is necessary for success on game day versus what is going to be the most developmentally beneficial thing for you to pursue in the gym when you're training. And you know, you and I were talking a, a little bit about another example. Your front squat example, I think, is a great illustration. Uh, one, one that I see all the time has to do with uh, handstand push-ups. And you see people in the gym pursuing these handstand push-ups with their hands as wide as they possibly can be. They're trying to minimize the range of motion so that they still, quote-unquote, meet the standard. They lock Mm -hmm. out their arms, they touch their head to the ground. But the amount of travel that the body actually goes through is minimized to the degree that, you know, developmentally, it's not as strong a stimulus. So, you might have an impressive number and that Sure, it'll count in competition on game day. That's great if, if that's what your pursuit is. Mm-hmm. But if you're interested in long term development and you never dabble with trying to make that movement harder and challenge the uh, you know the range that you currently have, you're missing a lot. And that's I think that's one of those things that uh, the short sighted athlete won't care about that, but the athlete that's in this for the long haul recognizes that that will eventually create a hole in their game that not only is going to stymie them you know, in competition, but in their long-term fitness pursuits.
0: It could also be one of those things that is a bit more nuanced and and maybe causes people some problems, for lack of a better way to say it, if you're a bit binary with it. Because if we do have this yeah. athlete that has a tremendous range of motion, like in squat, butt down to the ground, mechanics are beautiful, hey, why not do it? And let's say they're not even a competitive athlete, but they've maybe been influenced by that, right? And they're going to go out Mm -hmm. and they're going to do Karen 150 wall walls for time. And they say, well, hey, you know what matters the most is not training my joints in a full range of motion, but getting the fastest Karen time possible. Well, if I short change, you know, I can squat six inches deeper every time, but unnecessarily. So, for me to hit the standard, I just have to get the hip crease below the top of the knee. That saves me six inches of ROM over 150 squats mm. is a big deal. Adds so up. I can yep. so I can get a faster Karen time by not working a full range of motion. And I think, oh, I think sadly, you've, you've taken what is a true and powerful. Hmm concept in the cross of methodology that, you know, you're doing the work, you're doing the work fast, you're producing greater intensity, intensity leads to results. And so, you're like, well, that's what I have to chase above and beyond all else. It's like, yes, but there should be an asterisk next to that, like while developing your body amongst a full range of motion and maybe that full range of motion slows you down a little bit, slowed your Karen time down a little bit. I still think that would serve most people greater in the long run than taking that 17 seconds off there, Karen, personally.
1: Yeah, potentially. And I, I think you can use that example and kind of flip it the other way too, where you, know, you certainly you, you hit the nail on the head, that time and intensity measured by the time it takes you to complete some of these things. It's a great tool and one that you can use to kind of gauge where you are and monitor your progress uh, objectively, which is great. That's, that's a really useful thing. Um, but if you're newer and maybe you can't squat all the way down yet, you're still working on that as a skill, uh, or like you have an overhead squat, for example, it takes a long time for a lot of people to develop the proper positioning to execute that movement all the way down and all the way up correctly. You can use those increases of range of motion that you have over time as just another objective measurement of your progress. Um, now, where it gets tricky is if you have you know a workout that You're doing with an overhead squat, for example, and you can't squat all the way down. So, maybe you're a couple inches above parallel and you have a time for that and then six months later, you're able to get all the way down and you have a time for the same event. Right. But it might, it's not a direct one-to-one comparison because now your movement is essentially so different that those numbers in the absolute sense become less informative. But you can't discount that increase in skill and positioning and all those other things it has to be kind of viewed
0: fresh as uh you know now i've got this thing dialed in and that's so probably kind
1: of, it's kind of another way to look at that
0: and that's probably taking a step back and not you know we're coaching human beings we're coaching individuals yeah. you need you need to meet them where they're at you know you hear that you hear that a lot and if yep. if somebody is where they're at right now is try though they may it's an above parallel squat yes That's a no rep in the open or in a competition or whatnot. But it's not a no rep in their fitness journey, in their athletic development, in where they are on this random Tuesday afternoon trying their hardest to do a squat, but they're just not there yet. They're moving their body. They're doing you know functional movements. They're exerting themselves. They're getting a ton of value even though what they're doing – quote unquote, wouldn't count and would be null and void in a competition. So, again, yeah. it's good to develop that eye, that you have such a sharp eye for points of performance and movement standards and range of motion to identify when something is, you know, meeting a standard or not meeting a standard. But it's not quite as simple as saying, well, that did not meet the standard. Therefore, <laughs> that was wasted effort. I award you no points, but God have mercy on your soul. And, you know, yeah. and that, that, uh, you know it, get out of here.
1: And I'll say on a personal level, it's one of my biggest disappointments when I walk into a you know, gym environment and you can tell that the coach or the trainer is singularly fixated on that for no other reason than it's just what they've parroted from a competition or from a, you know, an accepted standard somewhere else. And it has nothing to do with actually wanting to develop their athlete and everything to do with just this arbitrary thing that they've heard somewhere else. So, my challenge to you, coaches and trainers out there is in your gym, your athletes should understand why you're pushing them to a better range of motion standard that has nothing to do with, well, that's what counts. Mm -hmm. There should be some depth there. They should understand why uh, getting to that bottom position is so beneficial to them. They should understand why getting the bar overhead truly in that correct position is of benefit to them, that should be the end state in their mind that has nothing to do with, well, that's what counts, quote unquote. To me, again, I think I think for the coach, that's a lazy shorthand, if
0: that makes and sense. If I drop into a gym traveling around the country or world or whatnot, and I'm a part of a class, I want to have a um, a trainer be interacting with me, a coach be interacting yes, with me, not exactly. a judge not be a interacting judge. with me. Yep. I don't want to be in the middle of my work. I try my <laughs> heart, my hardest to hear somebody go, no rep, that doesn't count. No rep. I wouldn't yeah. mind hearing, Hey Pat, you get you. I'd love to see you deeper on this next one. You know, Hey, pull that bar back. It's out. I don't know if you realize it's out in front, pull that bar. Like yeah. I'd rather have that. Or, than... or
1: even, even better. How about some cues on how to get you there? Sure. Yeah. Instead yeah, yeah. of Just telling you that you're not. You know, get your knees open, sit back on your heels, push your butt—whatever it is.
0: Let me ask you this yeah. because I've never judged anyone in a competition. It's just yeah. never been a role, and actually, I'm very happy because it sounds very stressful. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't want any part of that. But if you, if, if in the judge's role, what is supposed to be done? For example, if if you are watching an athlete and they're uh, they're not hitting depth on a thruster, let's just say that. Yeah. Is is it a standardized, is it just a, a no rep is all they hear? Or, you know, you don't say something like love to see you deeper on the next one or whatnot. Like what, what will the athlete hear from a judge in a, com- in a competition setting if they're not going low enough on a, yeah. on a movement? That's a
1: great question. And this is actually something I think about a lot. Um, my personal philosophy on this is that I think athletes should be given every, uh, opportunity to express what they can do in a way that, you know, showcases their hard training and their dedication and all of that. And so I personally believe in a little bit more communication between the judge and the athlete rather than just this like totally cold yes or no type approach. I like it personally when the judge sees an athlete starting to blur the line and lets them know, hey, you're close on that one. And then it's in the athlete's court whether they choose to respond or not. I see. I'm a big fan of that personally. Um, I know that some other people don't agree with that, and that's fine. Uh, and that, you know, it's more of a test of is it there or not. But I, I personally think that a little bit of communication ahead of time is good, and it allows the athlete to better express what they've trained, or at least to make the decision do I want to continue to skirt the line or not? Mm-hmm. So, and, and then, were- well, and let me clarify that's not to say that they get a freebie. If it's clearly not there, then it's clearly <laughs> not there. But if you, you know, you see it sometimes. People start squatting like way below parallel, and then as the set goes on, they're creeping higher and higher and higher. You know, the judge says something here: "Hey, you're getting close." Okay, and then they start going back down. And I'll tell you, the really good competitors do that without you saying anything. I can remember vividly uh, judging Rich Froning at an open announcement in 2015, I think, and he has such great awareness and part of the reason I think he was a champ for so long, you would just start looking like I I could shift my attention to different parts of the movement. And Mm -hmm. by nature of me looking at something a little bit more intently, he could could respond to that. He was aware enough of what I was doing that he would lock out a little bit harder when he saw me looking up there more intently than I was before. Mm. He would track what I was looking at and respond without any sort of verbal interaction. I was, was so impressed by that.
0: So, I was going to say that's anyway. that's a, an athlete like that's just a joy
1: to oh, yeah, coach, absolutely. you know, and, yeah,
0: yeah, you know, because we we won't we won't make you divulge any names. but I'm sure there are people that are also just habitually ride the line, <laughs> <laughs> and it just <laughs> no, It's a, it's a, a, it's a, a stressful <laughs> endeavor on <in> every <laughs> single repetition. Yeah. You're like, oh, you're so close again. <laughs> you're so close again. Yeah. Just make it a well, little
1: more clear. It's, it's funny in competition. I don't, I don't want to, you know, sidetrack and talk solely about. It competitive crossfit but i do think and i put this back on the athletes all the time i'm like look you guys know what is clearly good and what is clearly bad the closer you get to that middle ground the more you are demanding that your judge makes a judgment call so don't mm-hmm. be surprised when they do if you yeah. want if you want to roll the dice on that and play that game well then you know expect when the game gets played
0: <laughs> yeah and and again that's the competition setting yeah and and just to circle back again because one of the things when we were chatting before we clicked on uh, the cameras or whatnot, was that there can be this air of a little bit of that almost harsh competition setting infiltrates a regular training session with this arbitrary machismo, no rep, you know, it doesn't count. And, And I think that's, we've touched on it a little bit, but, you know, you made a big point beforehand to letting people know you're still doing work that work still counts. And maybe I'm yeah. very in tune to this as somebody who is not a good mover. Right. So like I have, <laughs> I have for years been doing anything overhead out in front <laughs> for years, you know, which would, would very much um, warrant the phrase, no rep if I was in a competition. Ooh. However, those thousands and thousands of thrusters that have done that are just out in front have produced a wonderful level of fitness that might not be appreciated in competition, but for just, I'm still doing a large degree of the work, try though I may, and falling short of what might be a competition standard, there's still a ton of value and effort and real life benefit that occurs there. And it can be really important not to lose sight of that if you are Not in a competition setting, but you're fired up. It's game season. Mm -hmm. Now you walked in to coach the 5 p.m. class. Realize again, meeting people where they are that that work, that work still counts. You know, you, if, if, if there's a hundred meter dash and I sprint 99 meters and stop, (laughs) I get a zero for the competition. But with yep. regards to the development of my posterior chain, I still sprinted my tail for a 99 mm-hmm. meters. There's something there. So again, just kind of separate that in your head, training versus competition. And don't, don't read into what I just said right there of, well, then I should just accept the fact that Pat only ran mm-hmm. 99 meters. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, and that might be a bit more of a nuanced topic as well. Yeah, no, I
1: think that's exactly right. Uh, The two things in there that stood out to me in that statement is, is, as we talk about all the time, you have to know who you're addressing. So, when you're in the gym, there may be one or two athletes in your class or in your gym or whatever who, you know what, they do need that harsh rep, no rep kind of thing. They're a more advanced athlete. They are interested in competition. That might be the best coaching cue for them Mm -hmm. in that moment. But make no mistake, those people are absolutely the outliers. The vast majority of the people in the gym, that sort of uh, approach does not help them develop and does not right. give them enough information on what the next step is. Uh, and then to your point about, you know, the work is still there, the work's still accomplished. Uh, you're exactly right. There's still going to be a physiological response. It doesn't just go away. There's no magic in <laughs> that hundredth meter versus right. the 99th in your example. Um, and and yes, it is not an acceptance of where people are. You know, if you have somebody who can't squat to parallel, it's not saying, oh, well, it's just it's never going to happen for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a realization that in the moment, pointing that out to them with no other path forward is not helpful. And right. so, your job is to clear that path forward and allow them to develop, not simply to point out something that's not there.
0: And then something you'd mentioned previously when we were chatting is... This is for the coach, right? Not, it's not so much the judge. Yeah. The coach to take a step back, and if maybe they're doing whatever the mo- the workout happens to be, and there are some repetitions in there that are not to a full range of motion, and you know that the person can meet a full range of motion. Well, there's a difference between there's a difference between thirty reps in grace, and two or three of them fell short. You know, so that's ten percent or less versus. A huge repeating pattern of somebody continually on every workout, not meeting the standard. You know, everybody misses a couple reps every now and then. That doesn't mean this person has a distinguished history of not meeting a range of motion standards. So I think it's also important to look, no two cases are particularly the same. And that's your role as the coach to be intimately familiar with your athletes, engaged in them and know kind of like what you said, What's the right course of action? So-and-so needs a bit of a kick in the butt. So-and-so needs me to put the kid gloves on. This person, um, you know, reacts almost better as if we are in a competition setting. This person, you know, is a verbal, a tactile cue, whatever it happens to be. But then again, that's that's the role of the coach versus the judge. And when I hop into an affiliate, I want to be met with a coach. I want to be met with a yep. trainer. I don't really want to be met with a judge.
1: Yeah, and I'll go one step further and say that those that are competing and their coach becomes the judge in that context, they're also stymieing the development of that athlete. So, I think Mm. regardless of where you lie on that competition spectrum, interested, not interested, into it, you know, all of that, you've got to think about the long-term progression and not just simply what happened on that one
0: rep. And I think we'll wrap up with this because this is something that chaps my behind personally because okay. i'm so I'm, i enjoy programming so passionate about programming so much is that sometimes what happens in a competition setting can creep into people's oh, yeah. heads and then yep. only what they see in a competition setting well those must be the only movements that have value and i'm not going to do these other things and, and the example you gave a great example with the handstand pushups and the width you know that you could find mm-hmm. this work around something which i see all the time is you know, we've got various ways to work the midline, right? I mean, to including things that might not be obvious, like an air squat or an overhead squat. But if we're talking classic, you know, gut work, sit ups and GHD sit ups and V ups and toes bar, knees to elbows and all this stuff. And if you're going to make your way through all of those over the course of programming various workouts that you have some variance in there, every now and then, if it's time for a knees to elbows to make its appearance, uh, I'll, pro- yes. I'll program a knees to elbows. And that doesn't happen all the time because I've chirped about this before but it does still occur. I'll see somebody say something like, "Yeah, I did the workout but, you know, I'm not going to do knees to elbows so I did toes to bar because, you know, <laughs> that's what you do, right?" I mean, you don't see knees to elbows at the games. You don't see knees to elbows yeah. at a sanctioned event or the open, so you see toes to bar. So why would I ever do knees to elbows? And I'm like, "Oh, no. You've let what you see in competition somehow infiltrate your brain and there are some things yeah. I think it's important for people to realize both are wonderful movements and to some degree get you to the same end point but if you asked which one is just clearly easier to judge fast in a dynamic situation I think most people are going to say well I'd much rather judge somebody doing toes to bar than knees to elbows you know and, and you've been yeah. on the competition floor what's your two cents on that?
1: Oh, I think you you nailed it. It's uh, absolutely, there's a lot of choices that are made for competition workouts that make the objective standard more clear to both the athlete and the spectator. And Mm -hmm. I think that creates a more fair playing field. Um, I think that creates a better experience for everybody. But that doesn't mean that that's the superior training benefit from that movement. And that's where I think people fall, you know... Kind of short in their thinking. Um, I, I'm reminded of Louis Simmons. You know, he talks about this all the time. Where he's like, he talks about a lot of things, but <laughs> but if you follow Louis long enough, like one of the themes that comes up with that kind of conjugate style training is to make your training harder than what you have to compete in. Mm. You know, so they will use like a bench press, for example, they'll use extended range of motion barbells with with bows in them so that they, you know, they have to press from a larger distance. They'll go the other way and press from a shorter distance with heavier load than they would experience in competition. Mm -hmm. And they, they manipulate all these different variables which do not mimic the way that they will compete on game day in an attempt to try to drive their progress further. And I think that is missed sometimes with the CrossFit athlete. You know, they, I like that. they impart That's cool. what they see in competition and then that becomes the only way to train it and philosophically that hurts me because crossfit at its heart is about expanding beyond the basic skill set and i'm right. like what are you doing you're just yep. you're just giving it away at that point so yep. anyway. i mean
0: i would even go so far getting back to the toes to bar knees to elbows example that if i Obviously, I want to do them all, but if I could only do one of those two movements for the rest of my life yeah. to develop my fitness, I would choose the knees to elbows. I would not it's choose harder. the toes to bar. It's
1: opinion. harder. To,
0: I think you have to curl up your midline more. Yeah. I think everything about it is better, but you, you're just not going to see it in competition. So I think that's yeah. good for people to see that. And The other thing is just the old school burpee. I mean, the old school burpee oh, is sure. such yeah. a huge driver of fitness. It's so fantastic, but it's also really tough to hold a large group of people moving quickly to precisely the same range of motion. It's it's a little bit easier if you're doing bar facing burpees or burpee box jump overs or something like that. You, you at least can have something that you know everybody's getting over this thing in the middle and it's all the same height versus, you know, did this yeah. person get totally up? Did they open the hips all the way? It happened so fast, already back down on the ground. And so, I think that's another example where people program workouts these days, it can be really easy to never see just a regular old school burpee program because that's not what I see on the competition floor. And I think, I think it's sad and I think it's good to have conversations like this, that maybe some people who could have potentially been clouded from a programming perspective, like, Oh geez, sure. you know what? Yeah. That's super easy to fall into that trap. And I, I fell into yeah. it as well. So yeah. avoid the yeah. trap.
1: Push ups Another great example. I mean, push up is, I mean, what a, what, what a great exercise, you know, it's, portable. You know, you can do them anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. A great developer of upper body strength and stamina. It's a staple in, in just about any fitness program anywhere on earth. Um, but you're not going to see them in competition too often because they're just a nightmare to standardize. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it doesn't mean that the movement uh, is without benefit. I mean, it's, it's hugely beneficial. Yep. And if you were to remove that because of, you know, your perceived uh, lack of it, its
0: competitive value, you're missing the mark. So anyway. 100%. Well, as I said previously, could not have thought of a better person to have if we're talking, you know, judging versus training than an individual who's almost ubiquitous with. When I think of Adrian, I think of judging other human beings harshly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Pat. <laughs> uh,
0: all right. Well, again, thank you for uh, your expertise, and as always, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Whether you're watching or listening, I encourage you to go to the BTWB YouTube channel, find this show, leave us a comment, let you know, let us know what you think on judging, on coaching, and again, hey, this, this episode today came from a user submitted comment. So we read these things. So if you've got a great idea, post it, and maybe we'll see it on the show. So until next time, everybody, have fun, and we will see you then.